Welcome to the Lifehouse Podcast. Our aim is that together we can love God, love others as we walk each step with Christ. We hope you find this message practical, encouraging and life-giving. Be blessed. Wow. Thank you, James. What a word. That is absolutely amazing. Uh, Well, it is good to be here this morning. I feel like finally I've I've been sick for like, I was sick for about five or six weeks and kept wanting to preach and then was still sick and couldn't do it. But how good has this series been? Save the date. Have you been enjoying it? Great. Yeah, we started with um, relationship with God, with uh, Danielle and Nakia sharing and that was an amazing word. You might remember Nakia used the example of a tree and how we're meant to water the, the roots, which is our relationship with God, and then we can see the, the fruit, and it was um, a great word by both girls. And then last week, Pastor Josh, he preached more on romantic relationships and on marriages, um, but to be honest, I can't really remember much more than that, because um, I was so wrapped up in my hot date that was happening live on stage. <laughs> Seriously, I was like this far away from the table, and so like I was all that I was thinking was, don't drop the lasagna in your lap. Don't drop it. And I didn't. We got, we got through it. But it was, a great, it was a great word. And this morning, we are speaking on friendship. Speaking on friendship. Peter, you got those songs ready? There's a lot of songs. Oh, he's, he's having a chat. So turn to somebody next to you and say to them, you've got a friend in me. You've got a friend in me. Peter, that's when you're meant to play the song. I'm going to start singing now. You've got a friend in me. You've got a friend in me. All right, all right, all right. Now turn to your other neighbor and say, Why can't we be friends? Why can't we be friends? Why can't we be friends? song there. Don't watch the clip, by the way. (laughs) Not great. Why can't we be friends? Yes, so anyway, that has nothing to do with my message. I just want a bit of fun. We're talking about friendship and how important friendship is. It's so important. And as I was writing this message, I was like, oh my goodness, if if I was asked to speak in Africa for three hours on this, because they speak for a long time, I'm like, you could easily do that because there is so much in the word about friendship and about loving one another. And I guess that's the focus of this message this morning I felt to speak on is those kind of key areas of friendship that Jesus talks about and Jesus displays, which is loving each other. Um, it's, it's unity, being one, and it's forgiveness. And so our key verse for this morning, um, I think Walter last week, he mentioned how um, Jesus says the, the law and the commandments all hang upon these two commandments, which is to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself. To love God and to love your neighbor as yourself. And that's really what we're all about here. But in John 13, John, uh, Jesus kind of says that, but he he says it a little bit differently, and we're going to read it, um, verse 34 to 35, it says, a new command I give you, love one another, 
have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I think we can really see what Jesus is trying to say to his disciples here. He's sitting around the table at Passover, and this is the beginning of this great big, I guess, speech that he shares where he says to love one another. So with that, I want to pray, and then we'll get into the word. So will you pray with me? Father, right now we just want to put aside anything that might be on our minds. God, I know that weeks can be stressful, that things can lay heavy on our hearts and heavy on our minds. But Father, this morning, we want to hear from you. You are King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You are Alpha and Omega. You are the one who loves us, who created us, who saved our souls. And Lord, we want to hear a message from you. So will you speak into our hearts this morning? We just want to put ourselves in a posture of saying, we are ready to receive. We are ready to hear. Thank you for the demonstration that you have given us of love. And Lord, let us love each other as you love us. And also this morning, let us receive of that love that you so freely give us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Well, some might know, some might not, but I've actually been coming to this church since 2000. Yeah. Anyone else from 2000 or earlier? Wow. I don't win. (laughs) I think Howard and Beryl win. (laughs) But yeah, I've been coming since 2000 and so in that time I've I've had this journey of, you know, trying to make friends in church and um, in my school and, you know, kind of at the same time trying to tell people about Jesus as well at different points and I've had some kind of weird encounters. I remember the first time I ever evangelised, which uh, is a fancy word for telling people about Jesus. I think I was in like reception or year one and... um, we were told to bring something in for show and tell. So what do I bring in? A Bible, of course. I, I, I bring in a Bible. And I remember going up to this guy who was literally called Guy. That was his name. And I said, Guy, you got to read this. And so I opened the Bible to a random page and I point my finger to a random verse and I say, you need to read this. This is important. And the guy, he picks up the Bible and he looks at the Bible and then he looks at me and he says, I can't read. I'm like five years old. So that kind of, you know, ended that one. But I remember a few years later, I was in choir, right? You can all understand why now after hearing hearing me sing. I'm looking forward to hearing that on the live stream afterwards. That's going to be great. Oh, gosh. Um, I was in choir and we were singing this song that had a line that was, God is our father, God is our mother, something like that. And I was like, no, he's not. He's not our mother. God's our father, but he's, he's not our mother. And I had a big issue with this. And so I walked right up to the principal and I said, Mr. Principal, God is not our mother. You have to remove this song from the choir list. And he said, well, good on you for your boldness. Um, but I'm not going to remove the song. You just don't have to sing the line. And I said to him, Mr. Principal, if you are not going to remove the song, I am removing myself from the choir. And I did. And there ended my singing career. I remember right there on the stairs, I quit. I said, I'm out of here. Try and find talent like me around. I dare you. 
And then um, after primary school, I was a little bit quiet about my faith uh, until I was filled with the Holy Spirit. And I started speaking in tongues and I was so fired up. I was so loud about my faith. I remember going into Bible college, uh, well, a Bible class, and I was telling them all how their theology is so wrong and that mine's so right and that they just need to be filled with the Holy Spirit and then they'll finally understand. And and I remember as well starting up a group called Glory Group (laughs) where I would invite people in at lunchtime to hear me preach. Not many people came. <laughs> That's all right. But so what I did instead is I decided, oh, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach at assembly because everyone has to be there. <laughs> so there's about a thousand plus people at, at my school, at Cornerstone College, and um, I get up and I preach the most fiery um, turn or burn, heaven or hell <laughs> message Um, that I've ever preached before and I remember going into design class afterwards and this boy said to me, Tash, I'm scared. (laughs) Am I going to hell? And, uh, you know, I'm sure somewhere along the line that seeds were planted, right? I'm, I'm sure someone might remember that and give their life to Jesus in one of those encounters but really I wish I had this revelation a little bit earlier of what Jesus says as I have loved you so you must love one another by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another if you want to be a good example of Jesus Jesus says love each other If you want to preach the word, Jesus says, love each other. I wish I had that revelation in year one. (laughs) Love your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Speak well of the church. Speak well of each other rather than gossiping or spreading things about people or, 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 or saying harsh or unkind things. Love each other. Be genuine friends with each other. And that is what is going to get the notice of the world. Do you think that someone could know that you're a Christian by the way that you love other Christians? I find that a little bit weird as well, by the way, that that Jesus said, by the way that you love each other. And he's talking to, to his disciples in the room. So he's not necessarily talking about loving everyone in the universe. He's actually kind of specifically saying loving your brothers and sisters in Christ. And I just think if I was to fill in the blank there, by this, the world would know that you are my disciples by the way you, I would probably say by the way that you love everyone. Or by the way that, you know, Jesus speaking, by the way that you love me. But it doesn't say that. It doesn't say the world will know that you are my disciples by the way that you love me. It says, by the way that you love one another. Is loving Jesus important? Yes. (laughs) Is loving everyone important? Love your neighbor as yourself. Yes. But what will get the attention of the world is by the way that we love each other. 
by the way that we genuinely care for each other, the way that we build lifelong lasting relationships with other, with each other, the way that we can forgive and be unified as one even though there have been hurts and pains and differences, by the way that we love each other, the world will know, hey, they're unified. They are the people of God. They've been around Jesus. That is the mark of being a disciple. And, and, and um, Spurgeon, who's a great um, theologian, great man of God, he, he points out how, yes, we are to love the world, love our neighbours as ourselves. But Jesus says the love that we are meant to have amongst each other is actually greater than that. We're meant to, what's that verse say, John 13? Scrolling, using an iPad instead of a Bible because I've got so many verses today. Um, by this, everyone will know that you might, um, as I have loved you, sorry, that's what I need to get to. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And the way that Christ has loved us is way more than he, he loved himself. He, he, he forsake himself, forsook, forsook himself. What's the word? Forsook, forsook himself. That sounds wrong. <laughs> but he did it anyway. <laughs> and he came to earth and he, 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 he gave himself for us. And Jesus says that is the type of love that is meant to be present in the church. As Jesus loves us, so we are meant to love each other. So let's no, not be so concerned about evangelizing that we metaphorically start vandalizing the church with our disunity or gossip or loss of love. Let's keep the main thing, the goodness. God is serious about us loving each other. And if that is still a question in your mind, we are going to read John 17, verse 20 to 23. And this is still part of the conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples around the table. This is a continue right from John 13 to John 17. It's, there's no breaks. It just keeps going. And, and this is what Jesus says. Um, it's part of a prayer that he prays as well at the beginning of John 17. It says, after he said all these wonderful things, he throws his eyes to the heavens and he starts talking to God. And he, first of all, he prays for the people around the room. He prays for his disciples. And then it says this, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Guess what? That's you. If you believe in Jesus, that's me. We, be, we believe in Jesus through the word of the disciples. They, they, they wrote, you know, most of that New Testament. Well, they wrote all of that. Hopefully everyone was a disciple of Jesus who wrote the New Testament. We believe Jesus through their word. So he is actually praying for us. He's thinking about us in this moment before he goes to the cross. He says, what is his prayer? It's, it's got to be important. He prays that they may all be one. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. He is serious about unity. He is serious about us being one, being genuine friends with each other. And he is also serious about the world knowing him. He wants us to be a good example. 
He wants our friends and family who don't yet know him to come to know him and come into a relationship with him. Are we un- Unity is very important, but what are we unifying around? Are we unifying around a, I guess, a certain opinion or a belief system or something that we love or something that we don't love or being a vaxxer or an anti-vaxxer? What are we unifying around? Because it's important. Jesus didn't just pray that they might be unified, that we might be unified together. Verse 21, it says that they may be one, just as you, Father, in me, I knew that they may also be in us. That they may be unified in us. That is our point of unity, to be unified in Jesus. Have you guys seen these before? A babushka doll. Babushka. That's, I, for some reason, I, I have to say it like that. I don't know if that's how you're meant to say it. Babushka. Try it. It's really fun. Babushka. But say it like you mean, like babushka. Babushka. Uh, I believe it means um, grandma in, in Russian. Yeah, cool. This is hard. I was hoping to have two hands, but here we go. They might not be matching with their their bellies. Anyway, we're going to do a little... Got inspired by the water. Um, Oh, that one's upside down. That's great. Anyway, these little guys, just for purpose of a small illustration, let's pretend that that these little ones are us. Okay. This one is a very broken person. Really, you can't, probably can't even see it. Its head keeps falling off its body. Who can relate? <laughs> uh, all right, so all these little ones there, let's pretend that they represent us. And this shiny golden one represents God. But, of course, not with the big eyelashes because God is not our mother. <laughs> this is the triune... Perfect God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who is one. Jesus makes that very clear. We are one. And now sometimes what can happen in a church, you know, we all believe in Jesus, love Jesus, but we're on the journey. And and sometimes we might believe different things, have different opinions. Some people might like Fords, for example, whereas some people drive Volkswagens, even if they are beat up like mine. Some people might be vegan. Some people might like eating meat. (laughs) But also what can happen is, you know, sometimes we can sort of rub each other the wrong way a little bit. Sometimes we can say things that are a bit hurtful. Sometimes people might look at us and it can, you know, cause a little bit of a a, a fracture because we, we feel like people are either being judgmental or they're not caring or they're not... Forgive, And so there can be unforgiveness and offence that can kind of creep in and, 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 and cause a bit, of, a bit of separation. But Jesus is saying, when the world looks at the church, I don't want them to see the church scattered. I don't want them to, to know you guys necessarily for for being split apart and believing all these different things. Of course we have different personalities. Of course we, we understand things differently. 
we're not meant to all be, you know, cookie cutters, of course. But at the end of the day, we're all still meant to have the same home. We're all still meant to come together. Now, this is going to be so hard to do with one hand. Look at this. I'm struggling. Does someone want it? Danielle, do you mind, like, popping these little things together? Oh, actually, am I doing it? Hang on. I got it. Sorry for those who can't see. I'm working really hard here. At the end of the day, Jesus is saying, when the world looks at you, I don't want them just to see you. I don't want them to just see you separated and different. I want, to, I want them to see you unified together, but not just unified together. He's saying, I want you to be unified in me so that when the world looks at you, the first thing that they see is me, that they see Jesus Christ. They see his love. They see his forgiveness. They see his joy and excitement for the future that we may be found inside of Jesus Christ. Honestly, we are in a very tense spot at the moment in society. We cannot deny that. There are rallies, there's fear, there is um, fractions and people splitting away from people, even within families. There was fraction and there is disunity. But Jesus' heart for us as the family of God is that way we may be a shining light to the hurting and broken world that is confused and, and, and full of um, fraction, that we may be unified together as shining light so that people may look at the church and have hope for the future, that the world may look at us and say, wow, I want to be a part of that family. I want to have that security. I want to be found in the faith inside of Jesus Christ. Let's go back to John 13. Probably read it 17 times already and that's fine. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. Now, some more context to this verse. As I said, it is the Passover meal. But what happens at this Passover meal before Jesus started, you know, breaking the bread and explaining what that meant and what was going to happen? Do you know what he does? He washes everyone's feet. Twelve there actually serves his disciples. And do you know who was amongst those twelve there that day when he was washing their feet? A man called Judas, Judas Iscariot. And, and he was the man who ended up betraying Jesus. Jesus. Oh, why are their names so similar? He ended up betraying Jesus. And he led this whole Roman army to where Jesus was so that he was arrested and then hung up on a cross. But do you know what? Jesus knew this. And yet he still washes his feet. Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him and yet he still loves and he still serves him. In fact, Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him and yet he still invited him close to him. He still invited him to be one of his disciples. So Jesus, after he washes their feet, all of the disciples in this place, he, he's kind of making some comments off not offhandedly, but he's making some comments, basically saying, all right, someone in this group is actually going to betray me. And in John 13, verse 18, he says, I'm not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen, 
but the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. And I was like, oh, this sounds slightly passive aggressive. But I know that Jesus isn't like that. So there's got to be more to it. I read the footnotes, which, which brings us to a verse that he was quoting. And I'm assuming that everyone in the room knew the whole verse that he was quoting. And it comes from Psalm. It's Psalm 41 verse 9. It says, this is amazing. Even my close friend, even my close friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted his heel against me. Jesus was calling Judas his close friend. More than that, Jesus allowed Judas to become close to him. And more than that also, Jesus allowed himself to be close to Judas, knowing that he was going to betray him, knowing that it was going to lead to his death. He still, for the sake of relationship and friendship with Judas, fleeting as it was, he still decided, Judas, I want to be your friend. Judas, I want you close to me. Even though he knew the end. And so as the Passover night continues, Jesus continues making these comments. Someone's going to betray me. Someone's going to betray me. They ask him, Jesus, who's going to betray you? And Jesus says, it is he to whom I will give this morsel of bread when I have dipped it. And remember, this is the same bread Jesus had just broken apart to say, this is my body. And he breaks this bread. He dips it in some salt, which is a... Um, an example, a, I can't think of the word right now, but it's, it's basically saying a symbol, that's the word, yes, of love and of friendship. And he hands that over to Judas, the same bread that he says, this is my body given to you. He gives that over to Judas, the man who's yet just on the same night about to go and betray him. What a friend we have in Jesus. Jesus washed Judas's feet. He built a close friendship with him. He let him sit at his table. He let him eat his bread and he gave him his body so that Judas may know him and have relationship with him. And that is the context in which Jesus says, as I have loved you. So you must love one another. Whoa. That is the context we need to know. That is the kind of love that Jesus demonstrated. The kind of love that led him to the cross to die for the sins of a world that despised him. And that rejected him. And that said they didn't want anything to do with him. That is the kind of crazy love that Jesus has for us. You know, most people would say, what the heck? We're toxic for Jesus. We're leading Jesus to his death. Jesus still loved us and poured himself out for us. He's still willing to do that. He was willing to do that, knowing everything, just so he could be with us, so that he could be our friend. John 15 the next chapter over. 
is a continuation still, of course, of Jesus talking with his disciples, if you want to read along with me. In John 15, verse 12 to 17, this is my commandment, Jesus says, that you love one another as I have loved you. That's not me reading the same verse. That's Jesus saying it again. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. These are not empty words. We know that. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and fruit that should abide so that whatever you ask and the father in my name, he may give it to you. And here it is again. These things I command you so that you will love one another. I love here Jesus elevates us into the friend zone. We are in the friend zone of Jesus Christ. He could have and should have called us his servants. He is king of kings, mighty, powerful, amazing, righteous, holy. He could have called us his servants. Yet he calls us his friends, even though we have absolutely nothing to offer him that he doesn't already have. Jesus, he is the triune, holy, perfect. He's already won his whole, he, he didn't need us. There is nothing that we could offer him that he doesn't already have. He's not friends with us for what he can get. He's friends with us for what he can give. And that's the example that we are meant to have when we make friends, when we build relationships with, other, with each other. He's not thinking, oh, okay, what can this person offer me? How can they help me? How will I know that they're going to be there for me? It's actually not about that at all. It's not about that. It's about what we can offer them. Thinking, how can I actually bring a blessing into this person's life? How can I lay my life down for this person? And if we love people like this, out of the heart, purely to serve, to give, we're going to make friends on the way. I'm sure we will. But that is our heart posture. It's meant to be not what's in it for me, but what's in it for them. How can I be a blessing to someone's life? I have a question. How would you have treated Judas on that night, knowing what Jesus knew, knowing that he was going to betray you? Would you, you know, as soon as he rocks up to the feast, be like, not you, get out of here, you don't really love me? Would you have been a bit more maybe passive-aggressive and, you know, washed his feet last so he got the dirty towel and the dirty water? <laughs> Would you have not washed his feet at all? Would you maybe have, have just not said a word to him so he sat there awkwardly feeling like he was on the outer and feeling like... He didn't belong until he awkwardly left the party early. Or would you have called him your close friend? Would you have given him that bread? Would you have hung up on the cross for him, praying, Father, forgive him. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. 
Because that's what Jesus did for us. That's the love that he shows us. That's the type of friendship that he brings forward to us. So what do we do when someone offends us? What do we do when someone hurts us? What do we do when, when we know that there's people who aren't ever going to bring or give anything to us? How are we meant to treat them? And get this, at the end of John 13, after Judas takes the bread, this is what it says in the word of God. After he had taken the morsel, Satan entered him. Judas still had an opportunity. Judas still had an opportunity to not betray Jesus. But he did, and that's, Jesus knew that was going to happen. So Satan entered him, and Jesus said to him, what you are going to do, do quickly. Now, no one at the table <laughs> knew why he said this to him. Some thought that because Jesus has the money bag, Jesus was telling him, buy what we need for the feast. Or that he should give something to the poor. So after receiving the morsel of bread, he immediately went out and it was night. Guess what? There was not even an inkling in Jesus' voice that spoke to Judas like a traitor. There was not even a or with anger or with annoyance or with frustration. There was not because the disciples had no idea. They thought that as he was speaking to Judas, that Judas was still in the gang. You know, he was just going to go pay for the food that they're eating. That he's just, because he's Jesus still spoke to Judas like a close friend, even in the very way in which he conducted himself and the way in which he spoke to Judas. Wow, we need the help of the Holy Spirit, don't we? I know I need the help of Jesus to be able to love people the way that he loves us to be able to speak to people, to forgive them, to love them, to bring them in. How do we do it? Because this sounds like a mammoth task. How do we love people the way that Christ loves us? How can we be authentic friends with people that we have an issue with? Not just people who butter us up. How do we do it? Well, I reckon that we understand that we are no better. And yet Jesus still loves us. I think it should make it easier to forgive others when we know just how much Jesus has forgiven us. You know, I've always struggled a bit with friendships and so when Josh asked me to speak on friendships, my first thought was, oh wow, really? Because <laughs> it seems in my life that I've, I've had this pattern of seasonal friendships, which basically means, you know, I've had people I've been really close with and then for whatever reason the friendship's ended or they've moved away or, yeah, I guess it's just kind of ended. And it has, it has actually really hurt me. And I'm sure that I'm not the only one who's experienced that. I'm sure there's people who, who can relate and, it, and it's painful. And it's all the more painful when, when someone leaves us or... There's a fraction that, you know, really leaves quite a, a bitter taste, if you know what I'm talking about. Let's read Psalm 41, verse 9 again. Even my close friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, 
has lifted his heel against me. And sometimes I fear getting close to someone in case they lift their heel against me. And walk away. And maybe you might relate with David and Jesus. Maybe you've experienced someone not just walking away from you, but, but causing you a great pain, a great hurt from their words and from their actions. And that psalm lifted his heel against me. That it actually implies violence. That's like a great, like a great push against. And maybe you've experienced that with, with someone that you love that was close to you. Can I just say I'm sorry? That really, really hurts. And Jesus knows that. He knows that hurt. He feels that hurt deeply. And he wants to draw you in and fill up any hole that has been left from someone else with his love, with his friendship, with his care and compassion. But this morning I want to highlight for one moment how through our sin and our inabilities and our shortcomings that we've actually lifted our heel against Jesus. That there was actually a great divide between us and the King of Kings, between us and our Saviour. And, and it wasn't his fault. It was our fault. We were the one who lifted our heel against Jesus. Yet Jesus already had the opportunity to leave us, but he stayed. Jesus saw our lives completely laid out before him. He saw our every action, our every thought, our every, you know, um, part of our heart, and yet he still died for us. He still went to the cross just hoping, longing that we might come to him and enter into a relationship with him just so that we might be called friends, that we may be found inside of God in a relationship with him. That is what Jesus did. So if everyone just for a moment wants to close their eyes, I want to ask anyone in here who has never asked Jesus to be in them, and for them to be in him. No one are looking around. I just want you to pop your hand up in the air and just say, Jesus, I want you to come into my life. If you've never made that decision and this morning you want to do that, I want to give you a few moments because Jesus is knocking at the door of your heart. He's longing to know you. And he proved that on the cross. Yes, I see your hand. Is there anyone else this morning? together we're going to pray and if that was you who lifted your hand for the first time or if you're, you lifted your hand and missed you or if you're just saying it in your heart, yeah, Jesus, I need you. I want you in my heart. We're going to pray together. Dear Lord Jesus, and if this is you praying, pray it in your heart or pray it out loud. Either way, it doesn't matter because God hears you. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you that you love me so much so that you sent your son to die for me. I know that I have lifted my heel against you. And yet you still love me. And so this morning, I give my life to you. Come into my heart. Make me a new creation. I'm yours. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. You know, 
Jesus is not just a seasonal thing. He's not just there for us one day and then not the next. No matter what happens, He forgives us. He loves us. And if you want to join me on your feet, we will sing in just a moment. But there's one last. Join. Stand. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) What's the magic word, please? (laughs) Please. People. And He gives us an example of, of love and of forgiving people and of forgiving an offense. And so I wanted just to read out a few Bible verses. And if you feel like, yep, there is actually offense in my heart. There is bitterness. There's a little bit of unforgiveness. No matter how big or how small it is, it is really important that we deal with it. It's really important that we hand that over to Jesus, that we forgive, that we love one another genuinely, not just on the surface, that we love people. Not what's in it for me, what's in it for them. And so I'm going to read a few verses. If you guys want to close your eyes and if you want to receive this, just just reach out your hands in front of you. First prayer comes from Psalm 139, 23 to 24. It's a prayer that, that David prays. He says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Should make it easier to forgive others when we know how much God has forgiven us, hey? Ephesians 4, 31 to 32. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. In this last verse, list things to put on. It says Colossians 3, 12 to 15, put on then as God's chosen ones. Hope you're ready to receive. Holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. Put on compassionate hearts. Put on kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so that you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let peace, the peace of Christ, rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Oh, Jesus, we are so thankful for you. We are so thankful for, for the love that you have shown us, for the forgiveness that you have poured out upon us even though we did not deserve it and we will never do anything to deserve it we thank you that you love us so extremely and I ask right now Lord Jesus for any any um, disunity or any loss of love or any offence Lord just to be, be wiped away Lord God to be dealt with to be brought before you and given over to you and I pray Lord Jesus within every heart that there will be an overflow of love and forgiveness. Because you have first loved us, let us be able to love each other with a genuine love that you demonstrated to us on the cross. God, will you do a mighty work in our hearts right now? Lord, will you make us one as you are one? You and us and us and you, Lord. We thank you for this in your mighty name, Lord. And as we worship you this morning, I ask that you continue to highlight things, that you show us things in our heart that we need to deal with. So Lord, that we can deal with and bring it before you. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we thank you.
And we worship you right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us this week. If you wish to connect with us, please send an email to info at life.house or come and see us at 170 Adelaide Road, Murray Bridge. And remember, the door is always open for you at Lifehouse. God's house, our home.